I don't know. Looks like it's recording. <clears throat> yep. Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. I'm Josh. And we're back. It's been a minute. It has been a little while. I don't even remember the last time we recorded. Uh, <clears throat> it was before Christmas. <clears throat> so Because we had Christmas, and then oh yeah, I got sick. I got super nasty sick for like a week. My wife got sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I think she was the outbreak monkey. Yeah. We were all like shooting stuff here and working together and she was working with us and she kept going like, don't get too close to me. Don't. And then everybody got sick. But me. Good job. <laughs> yeah, it was totally something that I did. <laughs> um, so now I have to, I'm, I'm working on the, what, what's this thing called? I'm out of sorts. Yep. The, um, what is this called? Aston, Aston Martin. Martin. That's the word I couldn't think of. The Lego Aston Martin, the James Bond car. This we talked about this before. It has multiple bags with the same numbers. There were like three number one bags. Mm-hmm. There are at least two number two bags. Uh, but it doesn't say that in the instructions. So, mine mine doesn't have any numbers. That's also strange. And I think I figured out because it's a, let me see, it's a Technic like two in one. So I, I think it doesn't oh. mark the bag yeah. because there's two different possibilities. So there yeah. are two different books based on what you want to do. No, so I think sense. if they were to to label the bags, it would confuse one set versus the other. True. All right, I'm going to dump, dump bag number two, bag number 2A, that <laughs> even has a, a sub bag in it. The thing is, I don't know if you actually have to move through these in sequence or if you have to dump all the number two bags at the same time. Have you hit an impasse yet? Uh, I don't think I did on the first one, but I don't remember if I dumped them all at the same time or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. How was Christmas? It was really good. It was It was probably my favorite one yet. Really? Yeah. Wow. Why is that? Um, I don't know. It was, we, this was the first Christmas in our new house. Mm-hmm. I remember back to last year... When we were in the RV on our friend's property on the farm, freezing to death because the propane ran out Christmas morning. And it was like 19 degrees outside. And so thinking back. By the way, you do have to open all the bags. Go ahead. Okay. That's good to know. But like thinking back in comparison to last year, like we're just in a really good place. Like hmm. in, in all the metrics, we're in a really good place. And it was just nice. Tiff and I decided to have our own smaller, uh, almost said Thanksgiving, our own smaller Christmas on Christmas Eve. <laughs> like on Christmas Eve, we open up the Christmas jammies. And then after the kids go to bed, we've started doing just our gifts between the two of us together. So the Christmas morning, the chaos that is Christmas morning can just happen. Right. I can just sit back and watch the madness mm. and the quieter, more intimate Christmas between Tiff and I is already done. So, um, the Christmas, a couple questions. The Christmas jammy thing, that's a family-wide, everybody gets yep. jammies, right? Everybody gets Christmas jammies. What were they this year? Are they the same? No. Oh, just everybody gets new jammies. They're Christmas-themed. Um, gotcha. I get my wife something silly every year, and I got her, like, a, a zip-up onesie. Whoa, lights oh, are going out our, again. Uh, oh, this was fun. Motion sensor went off again. So, if you're watching the video, everything oh, wow. just got dark. Because apparently the battery died and, or were too far from the motion sensor or something. 
Uh, automation does fun things sometimes. So what's really funny, Josh is not in here. He's going to get a motion sensor to set. The one at his desk dies on a regular basis, so he'll just be sitting there working if I'm in the shop, and the lights will just go out on him, and he can't turn them back on without getting up and walking that across the room. That hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> well, while you were gone, while you were out sick, I went around, and I thought I changed all the batteries, but I may not have changed that one up there. Yeah, the one that's taped to yeah, the... Yeah, <laughs> it's taped to the ceiling. <laughs> it's not ghetto, it's functional. Yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah, Christmas jammies. Jammies. Uh, sometimes they're, like, coordinated... One year we got, like, Isaac, my middle son, Santa Claus, and Deacon, my older son, the elf, thinking it would cause some kind of drama, but it didn't. They didn't care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Tiff got, I mean, I don't sleep in pajamas, but so she got me, like, a nice pair of shorts and a, a mouse rat t-shirt. Nice. The one I wore yesterday mm-hmm. from Parks and Rec. Those are my Christmas jammies, but, like, she got a silly-looking zip-up onesie. <laughs> um, yeah, we just do Christmas jammies. That's cool. Um, the other question, how do you do Christmas morning? Are you, are you like the present giver outer? Do you let the kids just dig in and destroy? We have, uh, my oldest son divvy up all the stuff. And so this year mm. it originally started as like, you are way too excited right now and you're bouncing off the walls and going crazy. So as a way to meter that, mm-hmm. like you get it, bring it to me, I'll tell you who it's for. And then you go deliver that to that person. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so now Elizabeth is the tornado in the house, but she can't read. And so the two of them work together. Like she would pick something up. They would read it. Isaac knows his letters. And so he can pick up on like the first letter of someone's name and associate that letter with that person. Right. So they all kind of help out with each other. They'll take turns. As soon as they open one, they'll go pick up whatever's next. They'll read the name and just go give it to that person. Um, But I have to fight every urge that I have to clean up and just let the chaos be. I, I, mm. I clean as we go. I try my best. And as soon as they start tearing, I'm like, here's the trash bag. And yeah. Tiff's like, just let them have this. I'm like, I'll just I'll slowly. It makes take it all the less paper. enjoyable for them, though, if they can't find the thing, if they can't find their pile or like the thing that they just opened, if it's already covered by the paper of the yep. next thing. That's what bugs me is it seems like uh, it seems very frivolous if it is mixed in with the trash. Yeah. Like they're yeah. already not enjoying that thing or taking that thing whatever it happens to be to heart because now it's just in with the garbage and they're just like what's next what's next what's next i know that that them being kids i get that but i don't know that bugs me that is kind of an interesting thing i hadn't really thought about that it would be of course their impatience would make this difficult but it would be interesting to um to make them open one thing and like not not be able to see what's ahead, right? Not see the pile of presents under the tree, but like, here's a present. Open this present. Play with it for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that thing before you get distracted and go on to the next thing. Yep. Because our kids, you know, we, we overbuy every year. We always give more than we plan to. And and so, you know, by the time they get everything unwrapped, they're just like, ah, ah I, I want to play with this and this yep. and, oh, oh, you know, which I, I mean, I was there too, but I wonder if they would enjoy it more. Other than the impatience, if they were forced to, like, this is the only thing you get to enjoy right now. Mm. You know? Like, yep. you can't be distracted by the next thing for 20 minutes or, or whatever. I know people that will um, that will hide Christmas presents. Like, if they think their kids have too many, they'll hide them and they'll give them out in later months of the year. Hmm. I don't think I would go that far. Yeah. But... It, 
in my impatience and because I didn't have anything to open because I opened all my stuff the night before, I just kind of got to watch and study the the sociology of what was happening at that moment mm-hmm. and the things that they were like, oh, this is cool. And they want to show to their brother and sister and show to me and then stuff they just kind of sat down with the wrapping paper. And so it allowed me to see the stuff that they thought was cool and stuff that someone else thought that they may enjoy yeah. and that missed. Right. So I don't know. It was... I mean, they're kids, and I love my kids, and they're having fun, and you get to see the joy and the excitement. Like, that was fun. But at the same time, I wanted to clean up, because <laughs> I knew I was going to have to do it eventually anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a clean-as-you-go person by nature, and so just having the house just full of paper that I was eventually going to have to clean up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know if you watched The Office that much, but there was one where they they had a cafe disco, and... The one stuck-up snooty lady, Angela, was trying to clean up. And he was like, don't clean up. And she's like, you won't let me have any fun. Like, that's how I felt. <laughs> it was like, stop cleaning up. I'm like, this is my day, too. <laughs> I don't remember that. Let I did watch clean. The Office a lot, but that's funny. I was thinking about um, while just that day, you know, watching them open stuff. And then um, after the fact... Just thinking about the difference between, and I've thought about this before, the difference between my kids' relationship with toys and mine when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And we may have talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it on the show or just like at lunch one day or something. What was your relationship with your toys? Not the toys in the house. Because I know you have a brother and sister, and so Mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of toy that gets its house toy. But like your toys. Were those things that you just played with to death? Were things you cherished, things you kept track of? Or was it just like, here's the thing I got, I play with it sometimes, and I throw it down until I run across it the next time? My toys were, well, I would say a mixture of both. Like, my toys were mine, and my brother had his toys. And What was the age gap again? Three years. So my okay. brother's three years older than I am. He had, I remember specifically, he had G.I. Joe's, and I had, like, the Ninja Turtles. We both had Legos. Um, my sister is seven years younger than us. I mean, and she was she's a girl. She has girl toys. So there was no interest in any of that stuff anyway. Yeah. But the toys that I had were mine. And they were in my room and I cherished them. And my toys would blend together. Like I would build a, a Lego um, like headquarters for the G.I. Joe. Or not for G.I. Joe's, but for the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. And for the He-Man stuff that I had. And so... But then when we would have, like, when we would move, so my dad was in the Air Force, but we didn't move around a lot, but when we did have to move, or when it was, like, spring cleaning-ish time, or we were going to have a yard sale, it was that opportunity, my parents' opportunity to convince me that I needed to get rid of stuff, mm-hmm. and because I wanted to keep stuff kind of orderly, I was like, oh, okay, well, this chunk can go, or maybe I can sell some of this stuff to get more money to buy other things that... Yeah. Very stereotypical kid mentality where you don't end up getting any money. You just have less stuff. Yep. Uh, I totally. So as much as I cherished the toys that I did have, they were gone and I don't know where they went. So Mm. it wasn't some like prying from my cold and hands type relationship. Like (laughs) I remember I had tons of Star Wars toys that I don't remember where I got and they were always just intermixed with everything else. And then they were gone. And when I realized that, oh, those things have value, I'm like, where are those? And my mom was like, I don't know. Those things were gone forever ago. Yeah. So there's no telling. And now we can walk around the, the vintage toy store in the mall, and half of that store jogs a memory yeah. from my childhood with no recollection as to where 
they those things they went are. yeah hmm. no clue so i was thinking about this um because i don't remember why i was thinking about this but basically i was thinking about you know my brother is seven years older than me my sister's five and so the stuff that we were into was entirely different mm-hmm. and so my parents did buy us all star wars figures uh my brother was at the age where I guess he was seven when um, A New Hope came out. So he was right there, prime. Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. And so he had a bunch of Star Wars toys that I ended up playing with, but that was really about the only crossover. Everything yeah. else was like, I had my G.I. Joe, Transformer, He-Man, all that type of stuff. He was in junior high at that point and didn't care, or high school or whatever, and didn't care about any of that. And so I think because of that, those toy, my toys were my toys, and I never had to worry about anybody else taking care of them or share them. I mean, I shared them when my friends came over and stuff. I wasn't selfish with them, but they were very clearly mine. Yeah. And because of that, I valued them a lot. Like, I have oh yeah, just about every toy that I had when I was growing up, except for the ones that I sold at the yard sale. <laughs> oh, that yard sale. Um, the allure. But it's kind of weird because... I was thinking about this the other day in relation to something around Christmas where like, so I wasn't um, like OCD about them Mm -hmm. to where I, you know, I didn't care like if they were in a particular box or anything like that, but I always just kept like the Star Wars stuff together, G.I. Joe stuff together. So I knew where it was. I would play with them all together, but then when I was done, I would kind of like separate it back out into these bins. Mm -hmm. So it was just like that bucket and that bucket and that bucket. And that was because I valued those things, and I wanted to make sure that when I played Star Wars, I knew where all the Star Wars stuff was. And I always was really good about keeping weapons, all the tiny little parts. Yeah. Which, you know, as a toy collector growing up, I'm like, oh, well, I value the little things then when I was a kid, and now I value those in a toy that's collectible. Because the little things are what cost money, right? Oh, yeah. So looking at the way my kids enjoy their toys... We have four kids very close in age, so rarely does anybody get a toy and it stays their toy. Yeah. And part of that means that it all goes into the same buckets, which means there's no separation, which means it's devalued in their eyes. None of them, none of my kids are like super into Star Wars or uh, whatever the toys are now. (laughs) You know, it's just like... It's it just goes in the bin with everything else, and when they go play, they grab a handful of stuff and they play with it, which is great. That's awesome. I'm not complaining about that, but it's weird because I have this tendency where I see Legos on the floor, I want to go pick them up and put them with the Legos to make sure that they don't get lost. Because if you ever want to make that set again, you can't make it because those pieces are going to get kicked under the couch and kicked mm-hmm. down the vent of the air conditioning. And you know, whereas which I was I have, always like super done. like ah, I gotta, yep. I don't want to lose these, you know. My kids just have a really different relationship and probably, honestly, a a more healthy relationship with their toys. I don't know. I mean, that's debatable. Well, because, I mean, my kids are the same way. Like when we lived in the RV, we didn't have a lot of space and we had to pare down like tons of stuff that we had that included books and toys and all the stuff. So the toys that the kids have now in the house cumulatively, minus the birthdays and the Christmas that we've had since we've been in the house are significantly less than what they used to have. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was a little more individualized. Like Isaac had his own room, Deacon had his own room, but still we went into the RV when they were all really young. So now we have a toy room downstairs that has like communal stuff and they all have their own room. So there's stuff that belongs to each one of them, but it, it kind of intermixes. Right. Um, Isaac is really big into trains. So if I know that there's a train somewhere, I know it's his. Elizabeth is the girl, so she has the girly toys. Deacon has Legos and like science kind of kits. And so I know that those things belong to, to them. But I'll find little pieces in someone else's room. Yeah, they just um, get carried around. Yeah, or if it's on the couch, for the most part, I can hone in on like this belongs to kid X. Mm-hmm. But it's the the mixing of toys into just like a shared entity in the house is far less than it was when we were in the RV. They're starting to have their own stuff. Deacon, I think more than anybody, maybe because he's older and because he was tired of everyone else always being in his area or having access to his stuff, guards his stuff a little bit more hmm. than the other two. Um, and maybe because the, the younger two are closer in age. I don't know. But uh, I was that way. I was I wanted to guard my stuff because it was mine. And that was just a mentality we had in our house. My brother was very protective because I was younger than him and he didn't want me breaking it. So... There was a very strict, like, Josh is not allowed in my room. Mom, he's touching my toys. Mm-hmm. And so that reciprocated. We're like, well, you can't touch my toys. Yeah. My kids are a little less because they play better together than my brother and I did, I guess. Hmm. Um, but Legos, Legos in our house early was no. Legos belong in the Lego thing just because I don't want to step on them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I told them, like, the minute that I step on a Lego, the Legos are gone, which means they're just they're becoming mine in a place that you guys can't get to. <laughs> But that rule will always stand in our house. And so hopefully Legos will become kind of a thing because they have a special rule that none of the other toys seem to have. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe end up being kind of like a, a thing that they share, like they're forced to share. And then it just becomes a thing that they get to do together. Well, my wife and I had that conversation specifically about the Legos, the whether or not those need to be moved out into a communal place. Because right now it's in the Lego table in Deacon's room. And I don't think that, like, the Legos that we're playing with right now, not the Duplo, the bigger ones, I don't think the the little kids who are three and four, like, I don't think that they should have those yet because they don't value that, like, this is a piece of something bigger mm-hmm. or it's just a tiny little thing that they can scatter. And so I don't quite think that they're mentally prepared for the responsibility of the landmine that could be the shared space with tiny Legos everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I vetoed the idea of it becoming a communal Lego table rather than the thing that's in Deacon's room. Well, it's interesting because we I, we did the same thing where, like I said, all the Lego pieces, big boy Legos, because mm-hmm. my oldest is a boy, so they became big boy Legos first, then big girl Legos. But um, those went into a big bin so that everybody could play with them as they got old enough to. And we have so many <laughs> that that table I built for YouTube. Mm-hmm filled up a long time ago and like you can't even move you can't stick your hands in and move it around without it spilling over literally (laughs) spilling over the sides of the table so you know but then at the same time it's a huge thing for our family every single one of us loves to build and so we continually get more we had so many lego kits for christmas it's my fault i get it but there are so many that we can't put them in the table they can't become Mm -hmm. you know the community they're an overflow. Like, yeah, junkyard of Lego. So, but also, all of the kids are old enough now. Youngest is six, oldest is 11. Good grief. Um, 
they're old enough to value. I built a Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. I want to keep it an Aston Martin for a little while and actually play with it. You guys have a lot more completed or like mostly completed sets around your house. And that's that's fairly recent. Yeah. Because I think they're all starting to be like, oh, mm-hmm. wait, this is a toy. Like you make a toy and then you can right. play with the toy. Yeah. You know, they're getting that thing. Which, I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't really do that. I would build it and be like, oh, cool. And then take it apart. And then it would be the thing that I built other random stuff with. Yeah, I was kind of in the middle. Yeah. I would add on to the thing rather than just tearing it down and building something mm-hmm. fresh. But because they're starting to value those as toys, they're taking a little more ownership of them. And so it's weird that all of a sudden, whereas we've all had like communal everything, even communal Legos, now we have sets that are starting to end up like on shelves and on desks and Mm -hmm. on tables and in corners that like, I'm putting this here so that, you know, anybody that comes over doesn't destroy this thing. It's together because it's valued. Yeah. It's interesting. It's just a weird change for us. It's cool. I mean, now you got to make space for the bigger pieces and not just (laughs) the tiny components. Yeah. Which I cannot find a tiny component right now. Looking for a tooth gear. Hmm. Oh. Black. Okay. So my daughter got a set recently for Christmas or after or something. She, she's the only one with her own room. So she tends to have like her doll. She's also the only girl. So she goes in there. She has her dolls. Nobody else really messes with them because nobody else wants to. She has certain Lego kits that are hers uh, just because of the what it is. Anyway, so I go in there. She's building on the floor, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. She's knolling naturally it by color and i was yes. just like dang it deacon did it too dang it don't be the one why why is <laughs> I'm that i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but it did it caught my attention because mm-hmm. it was not something that i've taught her right i've never sat down with a set and done that because that's just not how my brain works um but so it was interesting to see her do that on her own and it wasn't a big set. I don't know that she was doing it for the sake of being able to find things or just like, oh, there's a pile of a bunch of colored things. Maybe mm-hmm. I should just separate those out by color, you know. And I didn't say anything to her or whatever. I don't care. But it was just interesting to see something that we all do together, you know, that we've sat down at the table and everybody builds their set that they got or whatever. And to see her take that approach to it all on her own, not having been influenced by me or anybody else, you know. I think if my parents and I sat down, we would all do it very differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I'm sure we would, too. Yeah, I don't know if that's a school thing or if it's something that your hmm. mind just kind of naturally gravitates toward. Because, I mean, you try to be orderly. Most people try to teach being orderly. <clears throat> and when you look at a pile of Legos, it's absolutely not orderly. I mean, it is to some extent. Some of the pieces are similar size. And the little ancillary bags kind of come with the same blue pegs or black pegs. But, I mean, even this uh, forklift has a lot of really long connects type pieces or not connects. This is a tech, tech, sorry, not connect. a technic piece. And there, some of them are slightly longer than the others, but they're the same color. And so naturally just to avoid confusion, like even in front of me right now, I have some that are grouped together. That's what made me think of it. Yeah. Cause it's like so we're kind of breaking them. Apart. I think the knolling to the like tested extent where like all the pieces, like it's a, all right, stop, Let's get everything in yeah. the the world here prepared. Evenly spaced. Yeah. Stuff like that. I, I do it because, I don't know, for that I, very reason. Like, I, I agree. I think there's actually two 
I don't really want to talk about this, but I think there's actually two different versions of that. There's one, there's a functional one where you've got piles of things mm-hmm. that are like, not even by color, not by function, but literally the same piece. Yeah, it's because as, they have 10 of the same piece. Yeah. And I can bam. I that can makes it really a lot quicker. of sense because that's faster to find that if you're going for efficiency. But to take the time to take every piece, evenly space it to make sure that they're laid out on the table in the right way that's like aesthetically pleasing, that just scratches a different itch for certain people. Right. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, whatever. It's just a, it's a different that thing. That can be very beautiful. That in itself can be even that can enhance your experience doing something yeah uh for me personally it's counter to like my productivity it, well, it it's an action all on its own whereas uh-huh. when i look at building a, a set or a, a model or anything it's like what's the most efficient way for me to get from here to done <laughs> which is not you know i mean and i enjoy that process a lot of people enjoy taking it slow and taking their time and whatever but I cannot find this piece. piece I enjoy the hunt. I'll I'll help. Yeah, I do too. And so there's part of me that's getting irritated and then part of me that's going to be like, this is going to be great when you finally find it. So one thing that we've talked about this before too, but one thing that I've been doing recently with my oldest son, he he's found instruction books and he wants to rebuild sets Mm -hmm. that are in the junkyard. Yep. That's so satisfying. I love doing that. And I think it's because I like the, it's like it stimulates my brain to yep. look at a pile and like scan and scan and look for the detail that makes a piece stand out and be unique enough to catch my eye. And so like he'll and he'll go show me the back page where it has a bunch of different pieces. You know, like it shows you how many of each piece in there. And I'll I'll look at that page and I'll pick out two or three unique things or three or four unique things and try to remember those pieces and their color and their quantity. And then start scanning the bin. And it's just like a fun puzzle. It's like juggling for my brain. It's just like holding it all up there and like, what am I looking for? And scanning and trying to remember the four things that I should be looking for. And It's Waldo. It's it's a functional yeah. Waldo. Oh, that's a good point. I love hmm. Waldo books. There were many road trips where I was completely occupied all by myself going through Waldo books. Hmm. And it's something now that I will look at with Elizabeth and she kind of enjoys looking at it. But... I, I dig that. I dig that kind of treasure hunt. Like it's the the super minute attention to detail. And those were things in the military that I did really well. That like you will blindly follow instructions from someone that you don't respect. That part, not so much. <laughs> but uh, That should be on the t-shirt you get when yeah. you join the military. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's certain parts of you that could be super anal and you're rewarded for it. <laughs> but then the parts of you that don't like to listen to idiots, like that part's going to struggle <laughs> daily. Uh, Maybe it's in your pile. What are you looking for? I'm looking for I can help this, you scan for it. this black Technic gear. Are you sure it's black? It's not dark gray. It appears black. I have some that are dark gray. I put it on because it will inter- it'll interact with this guy. Well, and the smaller one didn't fit. Mm, okay. So it needs to be able to fill. Look on the back page. This space. Look and see if there's a separate gray and a separate black. If, Check it, the if index. it counts them separately, then you know you've lost it. If they're not separate, then... See, that's the big gear. I have that is there. Times two of those and times one of those. Yes. So it is. it should be. It should be black. Yes. Okay. And so this is the part of Lego that I love. That I go, they forgot to give it to me. <laughs> Every single package. And then I look <laughs> in, the, in the bag and I go, oh, 
It's your fault, dummy. Did you use the black one already? No, in the set? I checked. On purple. Oh, wait right, a minute. Here is one. Okay. Let's go back. Should that be gray? I don't know. No, that's a big one. That's a different gear. That should fill this whole space. That should be, if it says one, that's the one. So maybe I use this where I shouldn't have used this. Ooh, I think you're right. I think that's a tiny one. There you go. Good job. Yep. It's what I do. That's right. You know, right. it's what I do. There we go. Again, see, this makes me happy. My, <laughs> my fault and my lack of attention to detail just went, that was a learning opportunity and you should have known better. <laughs> Uh, all right, so now I got to figure. I'm putting fenders on here, which is pretty cool. It's actually starting to take shape. Uh, it's kind of a complex way to put the the thing on the thing with the thing. Uh, so what'd you get for Christmas? Kind of cool. Um, let's see. What did I get for Christmas? My wife is so much better at Christmas than I am. We think about the kids a lot. I think about the kids a lot. We get the kids a lot of stuff, and I forget to get my wife. As much as I would like to give her. Um, what is this thing? What does that go to? It just hangs off the side. I got, the big thing she got me was an Apple Pencil. Ooh. I got the new iPad recently. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> she, I mean, I buy myself stuff all year long. And she used to tell me at like beginning of November, she was like, don't buy yourself anything else so that I can <laughs> get you something. But she's forgotten to tell me that. And I forget oh, that so Christmas is coming up. That counts as permission. It's her fault. <laughs> Um, no, but like, I just tend to buy, you know, I'm an adult, like I, and you're extremely practical. So something I, I try to be practical, yeah. but when it comes to stuff like this, like Lego sets, I, I do splurge more than I should anyway. Um, so when it came time for Christmas, she was like, you know, I don't know what to get you. And I said, well, there's one thing that I have, I don't have a practical enough reason to pay for because it's kind of expensive. But it would be really fun to have, and I think I would probably take advantage of it. Told her it was the Apple Pencil, so that I could sketch project plans and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to use the iPad more as a computer and less as a, like... Lazy just, internet browser? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to keep my computer down in the office and use the iPad upstairs so that I'm, I'm less, like... I don't know. I just want to separate the time. Anyway, so she got me the pencil. Um... And it's really cool. It works super well. It's like comfortable to use and stuff. Um, and then she got me a bunch of other stuff. Like I thought that was going to be the thing. And then she got me like several Lego sets, <laughs> a bunch of brickheads, a bunch of underwear, which I, you know, practical, but I need it. Um, what else? I don't know. I feel like she got me a whole bunch of stuff and I got her like one thing. <laughs> but then after... She had told me that she wanted a food processor, and I completely forgot about it, so that I bought her something. I don't even remember what I bought her. But then Christmas night, the, after Christmas was over, I was like, oh, wait, she said food processor. I totally forgot. So I ordered it and told her, like, I, it, I just spaced. It'll be here in two days. And then it showed up. She's better at it than I am. I'm just bad at making. And that's really sad now that I say it out loud. I'm bad at making getting gifts for her a priority. She's a priority, mm -hmm. but like taking the time to go find out what she what would make her days better and easier, and then going to get that there in time for Christmas. That I should totally be able to do that. 
See, my wife on Christmas. This is has been an especially way... busy season for us, but True. for me. But yeah, anyway, that's not an excuse. But I think my relationship with gift giving for my wife and my kids is opposite. Like, I focus hmm. on getting her stuff because she's my favorite. And if I see something that I think the kids would enjoy that is special for them, then I'll hone in on that. Hmm. Because I know that so many other people are going to get them stuff. Like, there yeah. is no lack of coverage oh, that's the for truth. toys. Yeah. The only person that they're going to, I mean, my wife is going to get stuff from, like, her dad. And it's probably going to be, like, a gift card. Like, that, not, not to a fault. But. It's not going to be a special, yeah. like, I picked this thing out for you. Yeah. And so I try to not let it be the, the list of stuff that we kind of exchange to each other. Because that's, I know that that's stuff that she likes. It's stuff that I may not have ever seen or thought was kind of silly, but she liked it for some reason. So, I mean, the stuff that I got was straight up from, here's the list of things that I think would be cool. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's valid. I mean, like, if you can give somebody <clears throat> a list of things that you actually want, that person should take advantage of that list. Yeah. What was that? Oh. Um, yeah. And, and so one thing that I am, to validate myself a little bit, I am really good at, or I try to be good at, is making sure that I take the kids out before Christmas and we all go pick out, each one of them picks out a thing for mommy. And so we make sure that there is a package with four things in it that were picked out for her by them. Oh, nice. Um, and we do that. And I think part of my brain this year was like, oh, yeah, we got her the stuff. <laughs> Instead of thinking like, oh, yeah, the kids got her to the stuff. And I need to like do my part. Anyway, it's it's cool. We got it taken care of. Um, uh, so you asked what all I got. I my parents gave me and my brother both the Lego BB-8. Oh, nice, the big one. Yeah, cool. I haven't put it together yet. Um, that's up there. I got some gift cards to some places from in-laws and stuff like that. Um. Oh, like back, I'm sorry. Back to a point where you are difficult to get gifts for. Yes. Uh, that is true. I have a gift for you. Oh, really? It is extremely late. Oh, but well, you don't have to do that. I know I don't have to, but... Uh, and you can play with it on here. Oh, ooh, yes. okay. You can share it with everybody. Sweet. But it's very late. Yeah. I didn't but know again. it was coming, so that <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, what could I get for Bob that he doesn't already have? Or he doesn't, hasn't thought about getting for himself. Yeah. I'm like, ooh. There's. So it's a. It's a thing. Oh, dang. Yeah, I know. I was oh, hoping <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bad about it. I, cause like when movies come out, I, I still buy physical movies. Um, if there's a movie that I want badly enough to own, for the most part, I'll buy it, and if I'm going to buy it physically, they're always cheaper the first two weeks that they're on the market. If you go to really? Target, yeah, if you go to Target, the movie will be at least like five dollars cheaper than it will be, you know, after it's been. I don't know how to say that. The new release is always cheaper. Ow! Ow. Blood shed Ouch. by Lego. So you know, if a movie comes out that I want, I usually get it right away because that's the cheapest it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unless you want to wait a couple of years and that's in the clearance bin. So that pretty much cuts out like all movies as gifts for me. Yeah. I would say that my interests vary so much 
uh, and from month to month. Like if I were to make <laughs> a list in July of things that like, man, this would be a super awesome Christmas present. Like I would probably forget what they were in hmm. October time. Something else would pop up. Yeah. See, I'm also in the fortunate and weird position that basically everything that I'm interested in can be a work expense. This is true. So I can turn guitar parts into a project yeah. and then, you know, whereas that's a, something that typically you would be like, oh man, I'd really love to have this thing for music or this thing for, you know, this model or this book or this, and I can like turn all that into expense. Speaking of, you got a present. I did. That you haven't talked about. That was one of the things that was on the top of my list was a build your own bass guitar kit. Because I play the bass guitar. When you guitar. say it like that, it sounds like it's made out of like food. It could be. To me. I don't know why. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I played the bass since I was in freshman year of high school, probably. Mm. And I've had a couple and then I've sold a couple. I think I've had four, four basses altogether and I've sold them. What kind were they? I had my very first one was a Semic Stage 5, a three-quarter size bass. So it was a bass guitar that was the same size as a regular guitar. Mm. Yeah. It was cheap. It was $100 cash. And then I had an Ibanez, uh, was it SR-10? And then I had an acoustic bass. Mm. And then I had a bass in the last church that I played in that they were buying a bass. And I was like, hey, you should get this one. And it was a custom base that someone had made. And it was the oh. same price as like a decent size base. So, hmm. Or a decent price base. It was beautiful. And so now I'm building my own. But I'm not building the whole thing from scratch. Uh, I didn't want to do the neck or the frets. I didn't have to worry about any of that because that's where the precision is. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a company called Pitbull Guitars. It's in Australia. And they make kit guitars that you, know, you can get a Les Paul or a Stratocaster or tons of different bases. So I got an Ibanez bass kit. It's a five string. It has the body and the neck, the tuners, the strings, the pickups, the bridge, the electronics, the whole deal. And then you can just assemble what they give you. But I took it and I measured it out and I used the body as a template. And so I have now the CNC path that I designed in Fusion for my personal bass, the, the awesome. custom Josh bass. So it's a little bit. Of an Ibanez, a little bit of a Rickenbacker. Is that feel. what you're going to call it? The Josh base? Yeah, I want to. The headstock, I'm going to. It looks like a, a stock Ibanez headstock or headpiece. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to mill it to be like my own shape hmm. and then laser it. Ooh. Yeah. I was going to say you should, uh, you should pocket out like your logo and then fill it with epoxy and put some like crazy color in it or something. So it's got like an inlay. Yeah. I thought about or, it. You know, some sort of inlay. But the last base that I had was it was all walnut and it was super simple. And I loved it. I loved its simplicity. It was a lot lighter than all the other basses that I had. Like you have the Ernie Ball Music Man, which is a wonderful bass, but it's really heavy. And I don't know. I want it to be simple and understated, but then I draw out all these designs. about like, oh, it can have this kind of inlay, or I can cut this yeah, and fill yeah. this. And then I'm like, or I can, I have this massive walnut collection, and I had this one board that is a little over two inches thick that I've been saving for this project. Hmm. So I milled it up the other day. I've got my blank, uh, and it's ready to go. Nice. And so I just have to cut it. Awesome. Yeah. And so you are actually doing a guitar project. Yeah, I have this guitar <clears throat> that uh, our friend Dave gave me back. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Um, this was a guitar that I had. I think I figured out that I had it when I was in college. 
bought it somewhere used. I went through a lot of guitars and a lot of gear when I was actually like actively playing. Mm-hmm. I swapped out things often. I would like, and my brother used to always be amazed because I would take a cheap guitar, do something to it, and then trade it in a pedal to somebody for like a Marshall. <laughs> and then I would take the Marshall and play it for a little while. And then I would trade that for like a guitar and an amp. And then I would trade that for like a two amps and two guitars. <laughs> you know, it was like I was always upping somehow. I don't know how I did it. Anyway, so I went through a lot of gear. I would turn it over really quickly. And somehow I had this Fender Music Master, which is like a student. Uh, kind of, I think it's a, I can't remember the scale of it. It's a little small. Same body shape as a Mustang. Which but, I love the Mustang. Yeah, me too. And I have a Mustang right there that I did the same thing to that I'm about to do this Music Master. The big difference was that the Music Master had a single single coil. Mm-hmm. The Mustang has two. Um, in different woods and stuff. Anyway, I sold Dave this guitar, I guess, at some point. Oh, you know what? I remember what it was. Haha. <laughs> I traded him that guitar for this multi-effects pedal unit thing, mm-hmm. and I took that back to Savannah, and I s- traded that <laughs> <laughs> at the music store for an amp. I remember that now. That's so funny. Anyway, at some point while I had this guitar, I stripped it down, painted it orange, put a ra- white racing stripe on it, played it in a band for a little while. And then, so recently Dave brought this thing back over. He can't, can't play guitar anymore. And so he gave me this guitar back, and he was like, I thought you'd want this. Here you go. So the project is stripping this thing down, completely refinishing it, um, customizing the electronics, you know, keeping the neck the same. I'm with you on the neck. Like, a guitar neck feels like one of those things, whether you're going to adjust it or make it, it feels like to get it right, you have to commit to, like, I'm doing guitar necks now. Yep, I'm going to be a luthier. Yeah, and I could be wrong about that. I've never done one, but that's just what it feels like. Yeah, like you gotta it's, invest, it's very daunting. you got to invest in the tools and the knowledge and the time to get it right. Otherwise, it's not worth doing it, and uh, that's not something I have interest in. But I am excited to get this guitar refurbed because I think it's going to look cool, and it'll be maybe an excuse for me to play a little bit. Oh, know. and we haven't talked about Anthony. Oh, we haven't. No, we haven't. Who's Anthony? Anthony is our new cameraman. Mm-hmm. New employee. So I'm being fired. <laughs> See ya. It was nice. <laughs> Thanks for playing, Josh. But no, in, in the growth of the company, we talked about strong suits and things that would, <clears throat> you know, where everybody is best used and best suited. And talked about one of the things that I do here and I've done for, you know, the entirety of my tenure that I'm really not that great at. No. I, that's a, I don't think that's the right okay. way to say that. Well, I appreciate it. I, my, it is the thing that I do on top of all the other things that I do. And there are people who are much, much better at it than I am. And so we found a guy that is local, likes to make stuff likes to to record those things. And so he's going to come on and he's going to be in charge of the camera and the footage and all those things so that I can do all the other stuff that I do while I'm not standing behind the camera. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah we've run into over the past couple of months more and more where, you know, you're just 
you're already busy when it comes time for me to shoot something. And so then I end up running the camera and I do an even like a poor job because I'm focused on, uh, you know, the project and the camera and I do both of them slower. <laughs> um, and so we just found that like, we need somebody else to run that and do it well, do it better than either one of us can do it. Yep. Honestly. So, but I bring him up in that conversation because Anthony plays the drums. Wow. Yeah. And so after this guitar project and after I finish my bass and after Anthony comes, there's a drum set right over there. There is a drum set right there. Like, and then when eventually Forby moves up here after enough badgering. <laughs> Forby is a drummer and a bass player. He was a drummer uh, and a good friend of ours in the band, like all the guys that I was in the band with. Our bass player moved away and... I said, hey, Forby, I'll buy a bass if you'll learn to play it and be the bass player in the band. Wow. <laughs> and he said, okay. Odd thing, that's the second time that's happened. The really? band that I was in, yeah, in college, um, my good friend Adams, what's up, Adams? I'm sure you're not listening, but hey. Hey. Um, we lost our... Wait, who played bass in that band? Maybe we just didn't have a bass player. Blasphemy. No, we did have a bass player that I didn't really know very well. I don't know, whatever. We needed a bass player. And I said to Adams, who didn't play any music, uh, hey, you should learn how to play bass to be in the band. And he said, okay. And then he became a really good bass player. Yep. And then learned how to play guitar. And then led like worship at the church for a long time. And yeah, pretty funny. That's how, that's how I started with music. My brother bought a guitar. And I was super annoyed that he was learning how to play guitar in the room that we shared. <laughs> I'll and, show you. <laughs> yeah, my dad had played the bass in a band a long time ago. Oh, really? Yeah, they would play um, Bad Company covers. Nice. And what, what West Virginia. The, what was the name of the band? I have no idea. Oh, I don't even think he knows. You should find that out. Man. But I remember seeing the pictures of my super skinny dad in his, his jean shorts <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing Bad Company covers. Nice. But I was like, oh, that'd be cool. If I could play the bass, that'd be something that my dad and I could do together. And I think like the three songs that he had ever talked about playing were the only songs he ever knew how to play. Mm. And so when I started playing more and more and he was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're doing. He's like, I don't, I don't know how to do any of those. Hmm. And when I got to college, I didn't want to bring my bass amp with me because it was just, it was loud and it was heavy and I didn't really know anybody there, and I was there to go to engineering school, not to be in a band again, because I was in a band in high school. So when I was in one of my CAD classes, I was learning AutoCAD, and I was really bored because I had finished what I was doing, and I bought an acoustic guitar with some of my kickback student loans, because I was fiscally responsible. <laughs> Sounds like college. Yeah. I bought a, I don't even know how to say it right, the Techmani? Techmani? Takamini. Takamini. I bought a Takamini acoustic guitar that I loved, and I eventually sold but that's how, yeah, I started playing the guitar in church because the lady who was playing the piano at the time when we were in Belgium, like, they just left and there was no one to play music. Hmm. I'm like, well, I have a guitar and I know the three chords it takes to play just about every hymn. <laughs> Let's do this. That's the truth. And then I started playing music in another church when we got back to the States in, like, an actual band, and that was super fun. And then when we moved, they needed a bass player, so I started playing there, but I sold my bass, and so we had to buy another one. Hmm. So I've, I've always loved playing music. And I have my guitar that's here 
that sits over by my desk. We just, I mean, I'll attest that we don't really have the time to do it. Yeah. But I, I absolutely love playing music. And so building my own bass is really satisfying in a couple different ways because I get to make it. It's a piece of wood that I have and I get to take all of the things I loved about all the different ones that I've ever made and smush them together mm-hmm. and make it just for me. And you get to scratch the maker itch yeah. of actually making a guitar. That's cool. Yes. I would like to do that at some point, but I already have a bunch of guitars, and so it feels a little like and that I don't play. Like if I played a lot, sure, of course, everybody mm-hmm. needs a bunch of guitars. But if you don't play them, why make another one? <laughs> so... And, you know, like Jenny's on me all the time. Not on me. She tries to get me to play. Um, and I would like to play. But I don't know. There's something about, I mean, I don't make the time for it. It's not, it's a priority, but not a big enough priority for me to make it a priority. You know? Um, but I don't know. Like when I had a band it was motivating to go to practice and to sit down by myself and write because I knew that there was an outlet for it. I knew that there was like the, we would get to play out and that was a lot of fun and we'd get to record and that was a lot of fun. And I guess I could record stuff now still, but it's just hard for me to get the motivation to set aside that time, you know, to, cause you got to put in a lot ahead of time before mm-hmm. you play a show or before you record something. So it's hard for me to get that, motivation to set that time aside now so that I could use it later. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm also probably a little too opinionated about the music that I play to Mm. play with just anybody. I think that has a lot to do with it. I'm not motivated to go look for people to play with because there's part of me that's just like, well, I'm probably not going to find. They're probably going to suck. Well, no, it's not that. Not not a quality thing. It's more like a style thing. Like, I don't know that I could find somebody that would be... I say that, but I've been in two bands where the people, we were totally on the same page. We had a really good time. Anyway. See, that was one thing when I was leading music, is that everybody had their own style. And when we would practice, it was kind of at church, too. And so it was, like, super relaxed, and everybody would just, like, talk. And I'm like, yo, my time is pretty important, and I want to get this right. So can we just focus on what it is that we're doing? Hmm. And so band practice, even when I was in the band in high school, wasn't as fun because it's like, oh, you're supposed to be hanging out and playing, you know, with your friends. Well, like, yeah, but I want to do this right. And it's something, it's a skill that I want to attempt to master. And if we're going to play something, I want to play it correctly. And then it became just like a bunch of tomfoolery and silliness and stupidness. I'm like, yay, we're having fun. Let's play the song. Yeah. Because I want to play the song. Yeah. Both the bands that I've been in, we've all been kind of like focused and so we didn't have to fight that very much, which was nice. It was it was kind of a like work, you know, to practice in a good way. You know, like we, yeah. we took it seriously and we I mean you have fun when you're playing shows, you have fun when you're on the road or you're in studio or whatever, but you know, you have to put in practice and you have to get things right and you have to play the song a hundred times to make sure that everybody's yep. in the right place and And then kind hearted people like if you were to mess up, you'd be like, it's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm like, it is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a super big deal. We practiced this. Yes. We shouldn't mess it up. Yeah. There's a show where we have to play in front of people, and I don't want to waste their time. I, I don't know why I thought of this, because it's not really relevant to what we just said. But we were playing one time 
So the last band I was in, the flight out, we played a lot. We played for a few years, and we played out a lot. We traveled a little bit. But we played a show in Pensacola because hmm. our guitar player was from Pensacola. That's where I went and saw music. <laughs> Did you ever go see a band play at a mall? <laughs> no. There was a mall. There's somehow. two malls. There was a mall that had a, a venue in it, and like the yeah, mall shut down, mall. but the venue was like on the, you know, had like an outside door. Okay. And so it stayed open later. I don't mm. know. It was weird. So we go there, and we were going to play second. This band was going to play in front of us called Cool Hand Luke. Okay. Which was a band that I liked, that I had their CDs and like cool stuff. And so they were going to play first because they were the bigger band, I guess, or they were playing at the, like the eight o'clock slot. Mm-hmm. And then we were going to play for 30 minutes or 45 minutes after them. They're super like artistic. And so a lot of the parts of the show where it's like the song goes down to like a beat, you know, and there's like the movement of the band and it's like not really song, but it's still like mm-hmm. the in between. There was a lot of that. And so mm-hmm. they're set drug out and drug out and drug out. And I'm looking down at the clock and I'm like, they're kicking everybody out of this place at 10 o'clock. Like that's the rule. They said ahead of time, like the door shut at 10. And if your stuff isn't out, your stuff is locked in here until tomorrow. Ooh. And so I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like a all ages place or something. Anyway, so they're done. They're like, finish their final song and it's like oh thank you guys so much for hanging out with us 9 30 get off the and stage. our stuff is already on stage behind <clears> the, <throat> the like the amps yeah the rest of our gear and i had um a keyboard no i had two keyboards a drum pad like a mm-hmm. chaos pad two effects boards one for the keyboard one for the guitar a guitar amp two guitars that was my gear wow because I was the one that played multiple things. So they're like slowly pulling their drum set off the stage and doing all this. And we're like, we got 15 minutes. That's it. And, and we're all furious because we've just been we're like, we drove 10 hours to yep. get to Pensacola. And we drove there to the venue. <laughs> and we're going to spend the night after that. So we had been in the car all day long. Ew. We get there and we like grabbed our gear threw it on stage, got everything plugged in. It was like, no sound check, no. It was like, all right, everybody good? Let's go. And we hit, we had two songs that were like our big, the the good ones, right? Yeah. The latest ones we'd written, the heavy ones, the long ones, the whatever. And we went right into those, and I swear that was the best show we ever played. Oh, that's cool. We destroyed that stage. Nice. And when we got, <laughs> like, I, as soon as it was over, we hit the last note, and we started unplugging and packing up, and it was just like taking it off. And the lead singer for that band came up to the stage and he was like, dude, I am really sorry. You guys are really good. <laughs> like, as if, as if we had been bad, it would have been okay yeah. for him to eat up the entire time. But um, it was just really funny. And I was like, I'm sorry. I have to unpack now. I can't talk to you. <laughs> and we just like... There's merch at the door. Pull, pulled all of, Yeah, seriously. Pulled all of our stuff like off the stage, right out to into the van. And then they like shut the doors and we left. It was crazy. But it was a good show. It was just really short. Because <laughs> I think we got both songs in, if I remember correctly. Anyway. When was the last time you played live? Ooh, last time I played live. Our last show for that band was um, over 11 years ago. Because my oldest was, Jenny was pregnant at the time. And so we played our last 
like big show in Savannah, our kind of hometown. And so everybody, all of our friends came and stuff. And it was like a good show. But then we had been booked for an Orlando music festival the next day. Hmm. And so we drove down the next morning to Orlando and played in this little bar in like the middle of the afternoon. It was like, you know, the festival where they have a bunch of venues and it's just mm-hmm. music all day long for yep. several days. And so um, it was... Church Street? Uh, I don't remember. It's usually where they had all that I stuff. I don't remember where it was. But it was a weird time in a place that we didn't know. And so there were some people there, but not... The night before was like our big show. And then we drove down and played our last show in front of people we didn't know. They didn't know us. Yeah. And it was kind of weird. But I think we went a little crazier than normal at the end of it because it was like, <laughs> this is the end. Yep. Like, it doesn't matter, you yep. know, whatever. And these people don't know us, so they're never going to see us again. And we're all dissolving after this. And people were moving away and we were going to have a kid and stuff. It was just kind of time for it to be done. But I used to play with a bow. Like a violin bow? Like a violin bow. On your guitar? Yeah. Okay. So there were a couple of songs where, <clears throat> in one of those two big ones that I was talking about, like I played the last half of the song with this bow, and I was like the big, heavy, kind of sweeping thing in the background. Yeah. And um, kind of at the at the very end of the song, I started being percussive with the bow instead of like bowing with the long, jelloey yeah. notes. And so... I was always really careful with the bow because I didn't want to buy another one. And at the end of that show, I like, the song was over and I picked up the bow and there were no strings left on it. Nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, all right. And I just tossed it <laughs> and didn't have a bow anymore. Never had one since then. Yeah, it was fun, but it was also a very, very long time ago. Um, we're 57 minutes in. You want to wrap it up? Sure. Because I got to go be dad in six minutes. Take it on me the engine. Oh, cool. It's got cylinders. It's a two-cylinder, uh, what is this thing? Forklift. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds about right. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, um, where can people find you? Uh, you can check out Instagram at the PI Workshop. Are you going to be posting some pictures of your your base? I have been. Good. So far. Good. Yeah. So you can check out its progress on the PI Workshop or on Twitter at Josh Makes Stuff. Yeah, you're on Twitter now. I forgot. That's cool. Uh, both of us at I Like to Make Stuff. Um, we are currently working on some, put out a video today, but we've got a big renovation, another big renovation in the middle of happening. So if we're not back next week or the next couple weeks, just be patient with us. We'll be back on schedule, but we've got a lot going on. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Later. Bye-bye.